Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Kate Welker. Welcome, Kate. Morning, Amy. Thanks for having me back again. I'm excited for a chance to get to share some information today. Well, we have some amazing information about the updates in FAFSA and just some sort of, I guess, general information about, um, well, it's that time of year where parents are starting to think about loans for college. They're starting to think about 529 usage, all that sort of stuff. But we're going to focus more on some of the changes with the FAFSA. I also wanted to update people on where some of the, just to guess a reminder of where some of the uh, the loan information is at right now, knowing that it's probably gonna change here in, in just a few months. But before we dig into that, it is Friday. And because it's Friday, uh, I'm diverging a little bit from what I was gonna focus on, which was uh, Cayuga Lake. Um, but I am going back over to Cuca Lake today. I'm feeling a little nostalgic. I'm getting down to the wire of the time that I'm going to spend down here in Florida for the winter. So I pulled a bottle of Bully Hill Space Shuttle Red off the shelf thinking, okay, I'm in Florida, it's the space shuttles, you know, all of that's interconnected. At least it sounds like a good excuse to me. It's a uh, blended um, red. It tends to use Cap Franc, I think, for a big portion of its blend. But so I'm, and it's also very smoky for some people. That's um, you know, it's not the right mix for them. But uh, it's definitely a drier, a drier red. I like the pepperiness of it, um, and it's kind of a, I would say, a tart cherry to it as well. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. How about you? Anything special going on tonight? Going on tonight, we are heading into softball season in our household. So there's a practice tonight and then our opening ceremony and first game tomorrow. So we'll probably be on the run um, this evening. And so by the time this is actually released, you guys will be a couple weeks into uh, the season um, with the, with the new name. Um, congratulations. Your husband being the general manager uh, do you want to share the new name of the of the team this year? Yeah, so my husband runs a small local collegiate team, which um, for years was the Hornell Dodgers, and it was because our town originally was a um, like a pony league farm club. I, I'm going to screw that terminology up to the to the Brooklyn Dodgers back in the 1950s. So it's been kind of the heritage, but Major League Baseball's had some different um, requirements on names. They decided it was time to pull back to something different local. So they are going to the train routes, which are um, the, tr- the railroad lines in Hornell have been mm-hmm. what's kind of uh, driven the city and their rises and falls and lulls. So 
They're going to be the Hornell Steamers this year, nice. um, launching the new name. And uh, guys will start arriving in town um, throughout the month of May and play throughout the summer. That's pretty cool. I love that it's bringing back to the Erie roots, the mm-hmm. you know the train roots of, of Hornell. That's a big part of what built the city in and of itself. So I'm, I'm pretty excited that... Um, you know, the, the team thought to go back to that heritage, uh, you know, and, and really bring those those names back out. Well, congratulations to Paul and the team, and I hope you have a great season. So digging into the dreaded FAFSA, I mean, by now people should have this thing filed if they're going to college next year, for sure. Um, there are some deadlines looming and may have already passed for some of the schools because some of the schools have different deadlines. But the FAFSA is actually due the end of June at the very, very latest for school year starting in uh, September, generally starting August, September time frame. But you may have missed out on financial aid if you haven't filed uh, at this point in time because some of the schools have deadlines much earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, before we dig into some of the changes, before Kate and I dig into some of those changes, I just wanted to mention that um, a lot of people don't understand some of the, the, the way FAFSA works just as a general rule. And they'll say, well, I'm not going to get any financial aid, so I don't I don't bother to fill out the FAFSA. If you want to get any kind of government loan, whether it's subsidized, unsubsidized, plus loans, anything like that, you do need to fill that FAFSA out. And we do encourage people to take those government loans, uh, well, some of the government loans mm-hmm. first, um, especially if you would get the subsidized. And and so I've just thrown like five different slang terms out and I, I wanted to back up and, and kind of explain what those are. So the subsidized student loans means the government is paying the interest on those loans while you're a full-time student. Right. So the government is paying those loans. There is interest on those loans being accrued, but the government is subsidizing it. That's where the term comes from, subsidized. Unsubsidized loans means the government isn't paying the interest rate on those loans and the interest is accruing while you're in college. So it's you don't have to make a payment, but the interest is accruing. And at the end of the loan, they they say it's capitalized which means it's rolled into the principal of the loan and your student loan payment is based on the interest plus the principal that you borrowed. In a lot of cases, we'll say if you want to keep that loan amount down, then pay the interest that accrues throughout the course of the student loan while you're in school. It's a small amount that's accruing, but at least it keeps the loan at the principal only and it doesn't capitalize at that point in time. And then there is the plus loan, which is not subsidized. <laughs> and there's a, there is the parent plus loan, which is something that students use in undergrad school, uh, parents use, I should say, in undergrad school. And then there is the grad plus loan, which is something you use in graduate school. So hopefully that explains that a little bit better. And the other thing that I just want to mention to people is in addition to those terms, one thing that you should be aware of is origination fees. This has been something that I didn't realize recently that a lot of people were unfamiliar with. When you borrow a direct loan, so as a student, as you borrow a direct loan, undergrad direct loan, you have a origination fee of 1.057%. Now, what does that mean? 
That means for every dollar you borrow, you pay the lender an origination fee of 1.057%. So if you borrow $5,000, right? Just because I'm just using easy math here. If you borrow that, then basically you're paying the lender $52.85 and the rest goes to the school to help pay for your loan. Now, a plus loan, a parent plus loan has an origination fee of 4.228%. So that same $5,000, if a parent borrows it, you pay $211.40. That is a difference of $158.55. Those are origination fees. You can't get out of those folks. Those are what they are. Those are the government loans. Then on top of that, they're right now through October 1st of 2022, rates adjust every year. Direct loans through October 1st, 2022 are 3.73%. Graduate loans are 5.28% and plus loans are 6.28%. I'm going to reiterate those adjust. Now, if you lock it in, you lock it in. But if you are borrowing after October 1st of 2022, I don't get to use the word guarantee pretty not much, pretty often, but based on current interest rate environment, I can almost <laughs> guarantee that those rates are going to go up. So I just wanted to share that with you because I think it's important for people to understand that background. So now on to the topic of the fast. Big changes coming this year, right, Kate? There sure are. They actually, um, you know, I started looking through, I was talking to someone a while ago and I said, you know what, let's pause this conversation because I think I've heard there's some changes coming while we do some planning because his his children were in seventh and eighth grade. So mm -hmm. these changes that are being proposed will be in effect. And I had to come back to him and say, so some of the information I gave you is no longer going to be applicable um, because we have a few things changing coming down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, some minor, some more major um, and just kind of getting used to what this new change will look like. Uh, I think the last time I remember major changes were with the timing of mm -hmm. what tax year it was looked at. Because when I went to school, there was always this big rush you could file starting basically with the tax season based on that year's tax return. And, and that changed a few years ago was the first big change I think people had to get used to in planning with the tax return, the income, the FAFSA was based on being um, essentially two years behind. Yeah. Um, and you could file earlier too, because now you can file in October. Yes. Now you can file earlier and get it done. Yeah. And, and because, because extensions can go into October, mm -hmm. we actually get to look at a year prior instead of yep. basically the current year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which is um, great from a planning perspective, but <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. did cause some confusion. It did cause some confusion. And I, I'm sure this will. I mean, one thing right off the bat I saw as a change is that they are trying to make it a more simple form to fill out. So they, <laughs> some of the proposed changes will reduce the number of questions. I imagine there's still going to be a lot of confusion um, mm -hmm. with what they're asking because sometimes it's more interpreting what the information is actually being required. But I, I believe it's going down from right now. I think we're over 100 questions to 35, 36 questions is what the proposed format is going to look like. It's a much simpler form. But with that, so one of the things that they changed too is something called in the past, we've always referred to it as the expected family contribution. And basically that means like, you know, what the family is expected to contribute towards the cost of education. And they've now called that the student aid index. Yes. That. 
yeah, it, it's it's different um, mentally switching. And I believe some of the confusion before with the expected family contribution came from parents who say on the forum, you know, your expected family contribution is $8,000 and might think that's really all I'm going to pay. Well, in actuality, that wasn't the case. It was sort of when it came to how much federal aid you were eligible for, not eligible for, and what your institution was charging could be totally outside of that realm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a an anticipated number where I this um, anticipated family contribution or the student aid index, excuse me, is supposed to try to help with some of that. Um, sort of shifts the conversation, right? Or sort of shifts the numbers. So like you were saying in the past, I think when people saw that expected family contribution, they'd see, let's say it's the $8,000 that you just mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. They'd say, okay, well, if tuition is you know $20,000, then I should only have to contribute eight mm-hmm. and all the rest is going to be covered by aid. Well, that's not necessarily true. Right. Now the student aid index is kind of shifting it and saying, this is what you ex- you should expect for aid, yes. right? So they're giving you a number saying you should expect $4,000 in aid based on the colleges that you've applied for kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a mental shift there in the, like you said, the way of thinking and the way it's being presented instead of how much out of pocket, it's how much I may receive assistance with. Yeah, big instead. underline to that word may. Yeah, May, may, yes. Yeah. Um, Just a reminder, too, that there are some pieces that are taken into determining that student aid index, right? There's parents' assets, kids' assets, and there's parents' income and kids' income, right? Mm -hmm. So in the past, um, as well as now, parents' assets are counted. So any assets outside of retirement assets. So I just want to make that clear. Like this is brokerage accounts, savings accounts, 529 accounts, 529s are counted as parents' assets. 5.64% is expected to be contributed towards the cost of education. Children's or kids' accounts, it's 20% of the assets. Mm-hmm. And if you have a grandparent or family, it's actually 0% are counted in that, right? So because it's outside money, it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Income is where I find that people get, people get, I think, all wrapped up in the assets. Oh, I gotta, I gotta hide assets. I mean, that's been some things that have come to us, right? I've got to hide yes. my assets. It, 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 <laughs> assets are not the player. It's the income. It's the you income. can't hide the income. It, income is income, right? Yes, and I recently had this conversation with. It was funny. This exact same question came to me. Of I, I have a this asset. What do I do? And I said, even if you didn't have that asset because of your income, it's not going to make that much difference because it was all based on their income. There was no way to hide, and this person had a fairly substantial income. Yeah. Um, all the strategies around the assets re- reduced some things of, of you know minuscule amount, but it really came down to how much income was there that affected this person's plan, anyways. Uh, yeah. more more than the assets. Now, if you have very low income, the assets could play as well, but very low income also tends to work in your benefit yeah. alongside those assets too. Yeah. Remember I said parents' assets, 5.64% is expected. So it's a small, unless you have a significant amount outside of retirement assets, it's probably not going to make that much of a difference, but the income definitely does. And, and the parental income that counts as far as like calculating how much aid you would get um, is it, it, the more you make, the more it's expected that you would contribute towards the cost of education. So if you make $300,000, they're going to expect you to contribute almost 26% of that income towards the cost of your child's education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it does take into consideration the more you make, the more it, a percentage of income that's expected. 
Now, what about ki- like their, the kids' income, the, the students' income? Okay, what what is that? How is that viewed? Um, the fifty percent. I pause a second. Um, for the kids, it's a greater percentage because again, they're working and assuming that they're being supported by their parents. So for a child, it's fifty percent of their income yeah. um, is going to be included in that. And we don't want to discourage children from working, but again, to be aware of the impact on financial aid that their income could have on yes. that. If they make three thousand dollars, the expectation is they're going to contribute fifteen thousand towards the cost of their education, books, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. One of the changes, though, let's talk about that, is the grandparent side. This is my, I think, most excited change. Um, thing I'm most excited about with the changes coming because we would work in advance with clients to advise if grandparents have, say, 529 funds are going to contribute to education to wait until the third year of education when you're beyond that FAFSA deadline. But now that does not count against you or in your income or cash available. Um, that earned income is what they called it, I think. Yeah. Yes. So that's now dropped down to zero for the FAFSA as a contribution piece. Now, the one piece that I want to make sure that people understand is if you have to fill out a CSS profile, that could still count at 50%. So it's something that you want to kind of take into consideration based on the school, but more and more schools are dropping that too. So if you have a grandparents or you have an aunt or uncle like Brent and I do for our nieces and nephews, then it's a it, it is something that has changed this year that, you know, in the past, if, if somebody has said to you, no, wait till their junior year in college, um, the reason that they said that was a valid reason. And now it's, um, you know, check with the school, make sure it's not something that's included in the CSS profile. But we're pretty excited about that change on the past. So it's no longer asking for that unearned income uh, from that particular source. Let's um, kind of talk about two other changes that are not as beneficial. <laughs> um, I would say two top changes, divorced mm-hmm. and multiple student discounts. What's going on with the divorced and separated households? Yeah, so now it's no longer who the student lives with, but who provides the most financial support and what could be um, also known as who has the greater income or if they provide equal support. So there was some strategy you've seen in this world before with if there were divorced parents and one had a significant income, the lower income parent would claim that they supported that child, they lived with that parent, use that parent's income um, for financial aid purposes. And that is going to change going yeah. forward. So if you lived with, let's say dad made the lower income, mom made the big income, and you lived with dad, you could use dad's income on the FAFSA. Now they've shifted to say, well, does mom provide 60% of the financial support? And if so, then it's mom's income that you actually have to claim. It doesn't matter that you actually add. So that's a change that people should really be aware of. And then the multiple student discount. Yeah. So there used to be a discount if you had multiple students in the household enrolled at the same time. And it was family members. So there could also be a parent and a child, but typically we'd see multiple children enrolled in school um, at once. And a four to six year education time frame, you could have two or three, possibly four kids in school at once, which would really help that financial aid uh, calculation. But that is also going away. So now there is no um, quote discount for multiple members attending school at the same time. It ties back to that student aid index, unfortunately. So Mm-hmm. So if you are falling into that particular category, then the need is very likely going to go up from what the families expected, um, you know, to contribute towards the cost of, the, of having two kids in college. It's not going to necessarily reduce the 
the what, where it would have reduced to the expected family contribution. And, and when you think about it, um, it, when you had two kids in school, it's not like it looked at the situation and said, oh, well, your expected family contribution is $25,000. So the first child you have to pay 25 and the second you don't have to pay anything for, mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't work that way. It was still, but, but there was a slight discount that has now been mm-hmm. eliminated. So that's something, those are probably the top, the top changes that are coming in, in 2022 to 2023 that people should be aware of. And I think that one of the things that, you know, we, we would encourage people to do is, you know, normally we're pushing people in October to get the FAFSA filed. But I would think that this particular year, you really want to start the planning process, I would say, as late as early as late August into September, because um, if you're not doing it already, because it is going to be a different year. It is the outcome is going to be different this year. And you should be aware of some of these changes so that you're not shocked uh, come October uh, season when you can start filling out those FAFSAs. The other thing that I say is please get the FAFSA in early. The more, the earlier you get it in, the more aid you are likely to receive. The money dries up. It dries up. So the earlier you get in, the earlier you're like to re- likely to receive school aid. Doesn't matter on the government side for loans, but well, it does matter if you're getting uh, some of the government aid aid. Not, and I don't count loans as aid, you know, but some people do. But um, the, I've always had that argument when you get your award letter and you see like the uh, direct loans that are listed there. I'm like, that's not an award. No, that's not an award. That's not a scholarship or a grant. You got to pay that back. Um, yes, but get it in early. If you have questions, make sure you reach out to the school's financial aid office. That's what they're there for. They're there to help guide you with some of those things. Um, but the earlier you get in, uh, probably the more helpful they're going to be because it's just like tax season. It, it starts to wear on them too. And when it gets towards the end, um, it's a little stressful. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts or tips or anything else that you want to bring up around this particular topic? Um, the only thing I would add, you, you had mentioned communicating with your office and potentially this year too, there may be some hiccups with the form and the online process. So don't be afraid to reach out and be in communication, even after you submit your form, just to make sure everything's set there. Um, and then if you do want to update your estimates, if you've been uh, filing for kids that are in school and you want to see the impact it might have, they'll be updating as well. Um, uh, through the FAFSA, essay, FAFSA website or studentaid.gov, there is actually an aid estimator calculator um, mm-hmm. that you can use. I'm not sure if they've updated that with the new information going forward, but that's something you could take a look at. It takes about five to 10 minutes to do. It's not exact science, but at least it gives you an estimate of what you might be looking at yeah. um, before you head into filing the actual forms. Yeah. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I, I, I know that it's a lot of information. We'll try to have a, a sheet, a reference sheet for you guys out on the uh, show notes and not on our website. If you like this type of topic, please let us know. We are always willing to explore it a little bit further. We encourage you to share this with your friends through Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, we want to hear from you and hear any questions that you have. 
Also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. The more people go out and rate us, the higher we fall into the search engines when people are looking for information like this. And we just want to make sure that the most most information gets out there and the most accurate information gets out there as well. So thanks everyone for listening. We hope you all enjoyed the show. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.